Welcome to Invest Stories, a podcast about real stories, real estate, and taking real action. Join hosts John Cooper and Kyle Robertson as they talk investing, mindset, and taking that first step. We all have a story. What's yours? The Invest Stories Podcast. Welcome to Wednesday Wins. We're talking all about the wins and successes and uh, failures in part of our, our guest today, but also actions you can take to get started on your journey or level up kind of where you're at in your investing journey. Uh, so we're super excited to bring you that, that content. Don't forget to jump on social media and reach out to us, Investories Pod, uh, on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, link in the comments. Uh, below and uh, yeah you know let us know how you're winning today how things are going and uh, if you're like that's really interesting Um, is there anything you have sort of trends you've seen that you would or wouldn't invest in um, (laughs) through through self-directed route well I'm not an investment advisor um, but I did read one time buy low sell high you know I mean call me a genius but I you know I, I read that I like and it. And a lot of people. You came up with that I yourself, did. didn't yeah, you? Thanks. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it does you're so. welcome. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. big. Yeah. <laughs> but like, after the recession, we had these properties. You could buy properties on tape. People were buying low. Oh my gosh. And then we saw recently, the last, I'd say, year even, people selling at the high. You know, we've had a real peak in real estate prices. And so they bought low and they sold high. So a lot of people really did it right in their IRA, taking advantage of maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity. When real estate values were low, I don't think we're going to see that again. I just don't think that. But people bought low and sold high. So when you find a situation like that or you find a distress issue where someone's willing to discount an asset really below its value for urgency or they, because a lot of times people have like, why why would you sell a perfectly good house like this? And then they tell you they're getting divorced or they have to move or they have some urgency. And you might find a real deal and be able to get a below market uh, price on an asset like real estate. I was quoting Pete Fortunato there. I'll give him, give him credit. I, uh, yeah, that's and if you hit those those time periods, that's amazing. That's the the perfect route yeah. uh, for for this. In terms of, um, so we talked briefly about um, fin- the financing piece, the non recourse loan piece. Where do people find those kind of um, loan products? We have a list that we are happy to share. It's not that we necessarily endorse them, but it's it's just as a convenience. And we'll share that with anybody that emails us, info at udirectira.com. We'll share that list with you. And then you can check them out, speak to them, tell them what you're looking to do, find out their underwriting guidelines and see if that if that works for you. Yeah, one of, one of the things I found really interesting is that educational piece of like, figuring out how money works so figuring out how if i wanted to go down that route buy a uh, buy a property and go through non-recourse loans is it quite the right time for me probably not actually um and and kind of thinking about how that works but then the velocity of the returns of money so like oh is my money working hard enough is it sat somewhere and not kind of doing anything if i'm getting a good return but i can't buy anything else what do i do with that money so it becomes a bit of a game i guess it does and i think um, that's why we, why these investment clubs are so popular because you can meet uh, you know in person now and and talk to other people what are they doing 
someone's, you know, you meet someone and they're succeeding. How did they do it? And if they did it, you could do it. And so you learn from the way others are doing it. And there are just so many different techniques. So one of the things you did, you did touch upon was the partnership piece. Um, is that partnership with another uh, IRA or is it any kind of partnership or what does that look like? It could be. Yeah, you, you, it could be another IRA. It could be someone else's private cash. Now, we didn't cover disallowed people. You, you're not allowed to invest with your ascendants and descendants, parents, grandparents, yourself, your spouse, children and grandchildren. But an exception, you can actually partner with a disallowed person. So you could partner with, say, for example, your spouse, both of your IRAs in a deal, as long as you closed and recorded concurrently. And that's an exception. So you can partner even with disallowed people as long as you close concurrently. And so that has to be through a IRA vehicle. It can't be through kind of private oh, investments. Oh, no, it sure can. No, yeah, it doesn't. But that's just like how you, how you would use an IRA. The IRA requirement is concurrent. But of course, with your private money, there's there's no limit in this, in this regard. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So you could definitely partner and have maybe two or three people in on a deal and but when you're doing that, especially with real estate, that's probably when you want to have a property manager involved, because otherwise mm -hmm. the renter would have to make, say, if you had four partners in a deal, four checks every time they paid their rent. Better to write one check to the property manager and then let them sort it. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, how that would go down with some tenants. Can you, can you cut your rent weekly, maybe? I don't yeah, know. yeah, no, I mean, it's hard enough to get them to write one check, isn't it? So <laughs> making sure that comes in. Um, in terms of uh, the kind of the, the changes or the future of, of um, specifically self-directed IRAs, but that kind of space, is there kind of legislative change coming in that we're going to kind of, this is really going to change things up? Or? Not, not too dramatically. I think uh, we, we've had Secure Act 1.0 come through in 2019. It raised the RMDH required minimum distribution. It had been it had previously been when you turned 70 and a half, the year after you turned 70 and a half, you had to start taking money out of your pre-tax accounts. And there was a, a formula, you know, you look on a grid and you find the factor and multiply the factor times the money that you have in your retirement account. You have to remove that. Secure Act 1.0 raised that age from 70 and a half to 72. And then at the end of 2022, like the very last day of the year, Secure Act 2.0 passed. And as a result, the age is now 73. So now the RMD required minimum distribution age is 73. Secure Act 2.0 said that in the year 2033, in 10 years, that age will go to 75, just sort of reflecting how we are living it. I have a question. Yes. Um, what is the purpose of a maximum, whatever the term was that you just said, why make anybody pull money out at all? <laughs> well, tax. Bottom line. But it, now, okay, so what about for Roth? Does that have the same issue since these are all pre-taxed, those types of investments? Really good point. So so the Roth, well, I mean, the reason that they want the money is is because the government wants to tax your dollars. But, um, but now I think the, it's more advantageous um, for the government to have us have, you know, take care of our own retirement instead of relying you know, on the, on the collective here. And so what they've actually done also with Secure Act 2.0 is come up with two new types of accounts that are effective this year, but we don't have any guidance on them yet. It's a Roth SEP and a Roth Simple. So I'll explain. What that means is that today, or 
or before the 2.0 passed, if you were going to contribute to a SEP IRA, it would be pre-tax dollars. You would make the contribution and get a tax bill. But now, after they come out with the guidance, <laughs> you can contribute, you'll be able to contribute, say, say a SEP IRA, after, you know, um, after you pay your income tax on it, and that can grow tax-free for life. So that's the, the law, it passed, but it's not into effect until the Department of Treasury gives us guidance and prototypes and things like that. We don't have that yet. Gotcha. Um, since we're on the subject of old people, um, so when you become an old person and you die, What's the survivorship look like with these types of these vehicles? Typically, I would assume you want to put into the you know, family trust because you can put most of your investments in there. I don't know if that's the case across the board, but um, if this person hits the age of 73 and now they're required to take these these disbursements and then they die, so they have it as a pretty large balance, does that person who inherits have to continue taking those distributions or is this now a new investment vehicle where they can do whatever they want with wow, it? Wow, that's excellent. Yeah, the, yes, the... IRAs are like mini trusts. So when you um, when when you pass away, the IRA is automatically going to go to your beneficiaries. So the IRA will immediately pass on to your beneficiaries. And right when they inherit the IRA they are going to also inherit the need to take the RMDs based on the lifetime of the deceased. But that is that's changed. It could also be based on your lifetime. And really the IRS is now looking for it to happen within a five year time, time window. So you can take a total distribution or you could leave it in there, but they do want you to um, deplete that retirement account. And so that they, so the government collects tax on, on those dollars. But inherited IRAs are great because again, whether it's in a trust or not, that's something you can discuss with your, your trust attorney and your CPA. It's not going to go into probate because an IRA is like a mini trust. It, 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 as long as you've named your beneficiaries, it will go directly to the beneficiaries without passing through probate. There you go. So, Kyle, your kids are going to have a, a lifetime of partying for five years and then, uh, and then that's no. it. They've got to get, get rid of it all. I'm no, just kidding. we are those we are those people who are going to sell everything before we die and give it all away and wave at our kids as we, you know, this is taking a glib turn. <laughs> it was, was that dark? That sounded kind of dark, but that's that's not the way. Well, I, meant I mean, to, you know, what do you learn if you don't earn it yourself and you don't appreciate it? There you go. Thank there you very go. much. Karen's you got go. it. I'll stop investing for my little one. Sure. <laughs> You're on your own, kid. Um. If I may, can we um, change direction to the, the company itself? Um, so it's udirectira.com. What, what's the journey look like to, to build this company? And, uh, you know, we, we get your passion for it and, and it's really, uh, really interesting and, and great to kind of absorb that. What's kind of been the, the driver or the, the growth or the kind of um, the, the story behind that? Okay, it wasn't easy. I'm just going to say, you know, <laughs> lots of. Lots, lots and lots of challenges, like any entrepreneur, right? But it, it just it really started off with needing a way to use all my skills in an ethical way to be able, be able to provide for my family. You know, I'm divorced. I have two kids. And at the time, they were still in grade school and junior high school. And how do I afford all the things that they need? So it was more survival is how I started, you know, a lot of 
and I bootstrapped this. And I remember getting my opening my first account in 2009. I had $50 and I'm like, I'm rich <laughs> because there was a great recession and it was, it was tough. But literally having $0 in my bank account at one point, and I just bootstrapped this. Um, and uh, to now we have a billion dollars under management. So that, that's been a, you can imagine there have been, there's been this and that, uh, different trials. Uh, one of the things, uh, the trials I'll share with you is that sometimes the fraudsters are after IRA money. You know, what, what was the, like the famous gangster was asked, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is, right? Well, that, uh, where's the money? It's, it's in retirement accounts. So if, if fraudsters can get to it, they want to. And so we had, uh, there was a local fraudster and we had a few accounts involved and those account holders uh, were coming to me saying, what do I do? What do I do? Well, so I'm on the board of directors for our industry, the Retirement Industry Trust Association called RITA. And I was at a conference in DC. So I met the head of enforcement for FINRA. FINRA, that's an acronym and it's the enforcement arm for the Securities Exchange Commission, the SEC. Name's Diane. So I talked to Diane, got this problem. Fraudsters, what do I tell people? How do I tell people, to, you know, what steps can they take to be made whole in this situation to see some justice? So she says, well, have them file a grievance and here's the link to the form with the California Department of Business Oversight, which is where I live in California. So I did and then it, these people who were stolen from were, were rightly very, very angry. And they thought maybe I was in cahoots <laughs> with this person, which of course I wasn't. So they turned me into the California Department of Business Oversight. And I got this letter saying that I was acting as a broker dealer and affecting transactions, which I wasn't. And so I, I called the, the gentleman who wrote the letter, his name was Tim. And I said, hey, Tim, I got your letter. I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't do this. And, and, and then he was like treating me like a criminal. And that was weird. And I said, look, I hear what you're saying. I'll fully cooperate. I'm going to retain counsel. We'll get back with you. So long story short, you know, I was able to provide proof that we don't sell assets. We don't take any money for any, any asset. We don't like, we don't get a kickback, for example, from any asset that's sold at all. It's just a very, you know, very solid line between the asset sponsor and you direct. And then I got, then we got audited. So it turned out to be a business audit, turned into a personal audit. So I got investigated and audited over the course of months. And then after the audit was all, after all the dust settled on all these things, then I get a call from the receptionist because I was in an executive suite at the time. She's, uh, yeah, uh, hi, um, Karen, the FBI is here for you and, and they've got a subpoena. <laughs> so, so the poor receptionist thinks I'm being taken away by the FBI or something that I'm doing something. Of course not. Of course not. It would have been so great if you had like a like a rope that hung from your window down right in front of this receptionist window, you know, and you just come shimmying down this thing right about that yeah, it's time. it's weird that my mind doesn't work Does anybody way. else ever think about practical jokes like that besides me? Because, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. It sounds like that was your opportunity. Honest, it was you know? missed. <laughs> I was going to say, when you've been through all that, that's when you know you want to be in the business, yeah, when time. you've had the FBI knocking on your door. Well, and he was and, the nicest yeah. guy, you know, and so it's like, hey, come on up to the office. He sits down. What do you want to know? And I tell him and... I said, what do you want to know? And he says, well, I need this. And what he did is he subpoenaed me for records. He needed our records to be able to put away the fraudster. So we cooperated and, and it just created a really nice relationship with that, um, with that agency and that, that we have to this day as far as being uh, very observant. If we see anything that looks like fraud, just to, you know, just say, hey, I think this could be fraud. What do you think? So, and, and ironically, um, when, we, when I reached out to you, 
one of the things I liked about what you, you know, your online presence and the social media side was the human aspect of it, that you're not a icky trying to be behind the scenes, big corporation of like, we're megacorp self-directed and yeah. blah, blah. And so that's really funny that you said you went through that, that journey. And then there's that kind of heart story to why you, um, you know, why the company and, and why kind of you've been so successful. Well, and, you know, it was, it was like really stressful, but in the end it turned out to be great because if there were, if anybody had any doubts about what we were doing, we were just, it was just like, it's just like taking a shower. We were clean, you know, completely, just completely clean and without yeah. any question. So, so it ended up being an extremely good thing. And that's the only way I could get there is by going through this, you know, but I, and, and do I have a shoe collection to rival Imelda Marcos? No, I don't. <laughs> I invest. My money. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Investing. Um, and that, yeah, that, that's kind of the key, right? Is like just, just figuring out that investment and having a partner to, be by your side to keep you on the legal straight and narrow or at least the legislative legislative yes. straight and narrow to get that yeah and, and that that's why I that's why I'm so proud of being a part of, of Rita that the you know the our industry group because we meet with legislators we're going to be doing that later this month in like two three weeks in Washington DC meeting with them like on, on panels and having them talk to us tell us you know what are you what are your views and how can we do our job better and and the, the enforcement agencies, you know, how can we be more aware of fraud? How can we do a better job for our clients? It's, it's super, it's really fun to be, have this nice cooperative um, environment. That's excellent. Um, I really want to be mindful of your, your time. Um, if you could give us a rundown of how people can start to work with you, get in touch, find out information, that kind of stuff, uh, we'll happily share any links in the show notes also? The very best way is to go to our website and that's the letter U, udirectira.com. Um, email us at info at udirectira.com. We're all over social media, as you mentioned, and very accessible. If you email us, you'll, you'll get a response within a couple of hours at the most because we've got staff to take care of it and to help you. And so that's what we're here for. Amazing, Karen. Thank you so much for your time today. I've I've learned. Le Kyle's learned a ton, right, Kyle? Yeah, I've learned a ton. Ninety percent new to me, so this was great. Great to meet you. Great meeting you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Great, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Investories podcast. We all have a story. What's yours? The Investories podcast.